Well, a few weeks ago, we started a conversation here at Birchridge uh, around the idea of, um, of the fight, right? So saying over the, the 40 days leading up to Easter Sunday, we said, we're going to take some time and, and look and say, God, what is it you're wanting to accomplish in me? So it's the bullseye. And then we said, so then we have to be then willing to fight for that. So to, to over the course of these last few weeks, we've been looking at maybe what the fight looks like for us. We've been looking at what it is we're fighting for. And this week, we, um, we, we close out the series talking about what it is that, that is, is the goal, the actual outcome of, of, of all of this that we've been walking through. I think the interesting thing is we started this conversation about a month ago, and um, no sense that we would be here, right, or wherever it is that you are. Um, did not imagine when we started this series that this, this final piece of it would, uh, would be happening in, in our living room, would be happening wherever it is that, uh, that you're watching this video from or that you're joining us from. And yet, there's something that's so beautiful about the fact that as we talk about the fight, we, we talk about the different circumstances that we face, and we talk about our expectations, we talk about the things that we're having to let go of, the things that we're taking hold of. And it's just, in some ways, the, even the course of this series, the way that it's played out for us, um, really is, uh, in many ways, in a, a, kind of a, an application of this series as, as we're going along, right? To, to talk about that it's not about circumstances, it's not about our expectations, it's not about what, what we want, but it's what God wants. And so we've had to posture ourselves over the last few weeks to say, um, you know, this is not something we saw coming. This is not a, an experience that we saw coming. And yet we think God has a plan, right? Yet we trust that God has a plan. Yet we, we, we recognize that we're not called to operate in fear that, that even though it feels like chaos, we're, we're called to trust. And so we, we go boldly on uh, in, this, in this journey. We go boldly on in this series. We started, uh, I guess, to pile irony on top of irony. We started this year. We started 2020 with a with a two part series talking about the best year yet. Uh, for some of us, that that feels like it was so long ago that maybe we don't even remember it. For some of us, we're maybe just starting to get connected with Birchridge, and and maybe we're now tempted to to go back to the beginning of January and look at what that what that message was like. But um, the reality is what we were talking about when we said that, that may 2020 be the best year yet, we weren't talking about circumstances, right? We didn't say, may the circumstances that we experience over the course of 2020, may they be the best circumstances yet. Uh, what we were really talking about and, and what we will continue to talk about uh, through this whole series and, and really as, as we move forward as a church that uh, we're really talking about the best outcome yet. So when we, we talk at the beginning of the year, we talked as we move, move through this series that, that really the, the goal is um, that, that when we take a step in the journey that we look back and we say, I'm further along than I was, right? That, that, that this is the best year yet because when I look at the end of this coming year, as I look at the end of this year, I, I look back and say, I have moved forward, right? That the outcome, that, that maybe all the circumstances have not been ideal and we would, I mean, it's not hard to imagine that, that this is not what we had set up as ideal circumstances, but and we look and we say, but the outcome, right? The, 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 actual, the actual progress that we made is, is worth it, right? that the journey is, is, is worth it. We have to deal with our expectations. We have to deal with what it is that, that we think life is supposed to look like. I know for me, as I, um, as I look at my own journey, I imagine and I remember back to the moment that I became a Christian, right? When I started to follow Jesus and I had all sorts of expectations with what that was going to look like. I had all sorts of thoughts about, well, if I, if I surrender my life to Jesus, then, then that means that there's some things that, that get easier, that, um, that, that I automatically get better, right? That, that by, by joining Team Jesus, that, that all of a sudden my life starts to make sense in ways that I could never have made it made, make sense on my own. That I look at this and in some ways it's like, 
like I'm I making this exchange that I give God my brokenness and then he gives me um, something back or he, he turns and, and fixes me maybe automatically with, without anything re being required of me. Or maybe part of it, if I was really honest, that, um, that that has happened at so many different points along the way where it's like, if I take this step, if I, if I move forward, then, then that means that, that things are supposed to get easier or I'm, I'm going to be better because I've, I've taken that step. And not realizing, I think, maybe sometimes that, uh, that, that our circumstances or our expectations or this sense that what God does in us is automatic, that doesn't, it doesn't require anything of us, gets in the way of what God actually wants to do in us. We're talking this morning about going deeper. We're talking this morning about not just going deeper and imagining that that happens automatically or thinking that, that that's something that God does without any kind of like input from you or any kind of participation from you. But it's us saying, God, is it, there's, a, there's, a, there's something deeper. There's a, there's a deeper and better way to live. And, and we're willing to, to put it in the, in, the, kind of in the framework of this series, we're willing to fight for it, right? We've, we've been given a picture of what you're trying to do, God, and we want to get in on it. And so we deal with this and we, we have to kind of lay down maybe what we would imagine that deeper actually looks like. We maybe think of it as the antidote for everything that is wrong with us. That, that if we'll just kind of like take, a next take the next step or start the journey, then, then everything gets fixed automatically, right? It becomes this, like, this antidote that, that fixes whatever ails us, that it just, it just happens. Or maybe we look at, at deeper and we, and we think of it as something that's automatic, that it's like, God, I, I did this, I've, I've taken a step, and therefore everything else should fall in line behind this one decision that I've made without, without any kind of work on our part, without any kind of, like, kind of grit that, that would say, I'm going to fight for what's next. I'm going to fight for the, the journey that takes me deeper. We think maybe that going deeper would be something that happens instantly. That it's like, well, well, if I made the decision, if I if I trusted God, if I if I took that step, then then why is it that it didn't? Then then why didn't everything happen in kind of like the instant moment that 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 took place? And so we have to deal with with kind of our expectations. We have to deal with our sense of the way it should be. That we think it's the antidote. We think it's automatic. We think it's instant. But the reality is, going deeper is really a journey, right? Going deeper is is a journey, and you could even tack, tack on the the end of that. It's it's a journey together as a church, as a people, as as people who are following after Jesus. That that we're journeying, so our lives are looking more and more and more like what Jesus's life looked like. But that's not something that happens instantly. It's not something that that steps into our lives like an antidote. It's not something that that happens automatically. But but it's that journey, and it's a, it's a step and a step and a step. And so this morning, we're going to look at um, a, a passage out of 1 Peter, where Peter is writing to the, to the church. So Peter followed Jesus. He was a disciple of Jesus. And then, and then he was writing to, a, to the church saying, so, so you've, you've decided to trust Jesus, but, but there are some next steps, right? You've decided to, to place your, your trust in Jesus, but, but here's what comes next. Because just like Peter, we would say, what happens next matters. And so Peter, writing to the church, says this, he says, therefore, this is First uh, Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Peter is saying to the church, you have a choice to make, right? He's saying to us, maybe as, as his words echo across the generations that, that have preserved uh, God's word for us, that, that he's saying, look, there's, there is a decision to make, right? It's, 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 it's your way or it's the way that, that Jesus is calling you to live. And Peter says there's, there's a choice to make, this, this life that God is offering, which we would put in, the, in, in terms of, of deeper, or uh, it's, it's a life marked by all the things that your life has been marked by up to this point. But there's a, there's a decision to be made. Uh, in fact, Peter uses a, a term that um, 
It's a strong action verb. It's him saying, rid yourself, right? The, the, to kind of be repulsed by what you have been experiencing, what, by what your life has been marked by. And, and you move away from that, not just kind of like set it down, but he says, rid yourself. This, this strong action verb that says, make a decision, right? To, to, to choose this way forward. He says, so, so, so rid yourselves of malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Right? That in some ways Peter is getting at this idea of an antidote that says, look, I, I decided to follow Jesus, then, then everything that's, that's wrong with my life should be automatically fixed. It should be like the antidote that's, that's poured into my life. And, and Peter says, but there's still a choice to make. Right? There's still a next step to take. There's still things that have to happen that, that God is doing in you, but it requires you to follow, to trust, and, and to take the next step and the next step and the next step. The other frustrating thing I think about uh, this particular category or these these list this list that Peter gives is that they're broad categories that that basically leave us without wiggle room. He says this is this is what life is probably marked by without Jesus's kind of like mark on your life. This is this is what life is marked by, and these are these big broad categories. And he says so. So make a choice, rid yourselves of all of those kinds of things so you can take the next step that, that's a better step, a better way forward. He says this, so, so here's where we're at, right? Verse two, like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. He's not insulting us or not insulting his readers saying you guys are newborn babies. He's, he's essentially giving uh, the, the you are here mark on the map that, that says, look, this is where you're at. It's, it's not that it's something wrong with you. It's not that, that you're broken or you're lost or anything else, but you just need to have an honest reflection on where you're at. So Peter says, you are here, which also means that you're not there yet. But he says, you are here. And so this is what that next step should look like that... Um, and you start to you should start to crave that pure spiritual milk. The the question is, what is it you're feeding on? So we talk about steps. Peter's going to lay out three big steps for us, and and the first is is really a question of what is it that we're bringing into our lives, right? What is it that that we're allowing to be the things that become the building blocks of our lives, the the nourishment that we're taking in, the the things that we're allowing to us to or that we're allowing to influence us. Peter says, so crave the pure thing, right? Crave the thing that comes from God. Crave the thing that, that's going to help you grow. It's, an, it's appropriate to, to be craving that. He says, so that you may grow up in your salvation, which means that there is a next step, that there is growth, that there is a possibility of, of moving forward, that um, in some ways that your diet what, kind of using Peter's terminology, your diet determines your growth, right? It doesn't, your diet isn't your, about your salvation, but it's about the, the growth that you're going to experience after you have been saved. Uh, your salvation, um, if your diet doesn't save you, the reality is too that your salvation doesn't automatically grow you. So there's some decisions to be made about what you're bringing into uh, to your life so that you can grow, right? So that there is more, so that we can look and we can say what, what could be is, is better than what is, and we're gonna fight for it. We're gonna keep moving forward. It says you've tasted, right? Once you've tasted the real thing, you're not going to want anything less. So if you've tasted that, then you wouldn't want anything else. You've, you've tasted, as, as he's saying, look, we, I know that uh, you've tasted the junk that the world has to offer, and now you have a choice to make and have an opportunity to choose something better. The reality is that um, Peter is, is talking about, a pro, about progress. He's talking about these steps, but um, he's saying that it doesn't stop there, right? That, that what comes next is, is determined by what you're bringing into your body or what you're bringing into your life that, um, that, that, we should, that we should move forward. Peter doesn't stop there. He says, you, you can't move on until you've dealt with the diet choice. 
He says, if in some ways, if you don't choose your diet wisely, then then the next step is, is going to go wrong too. Because if you haven't chosen wisely about what you're bringing into your life, then what you then what you're building on and what you're building with isn't going to be healthy either. And so he says, as you come to him, the living stone, right? Now, now Peter's talking about uh, coming to Jesus. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter, who at one point in his life, Jesus pointed to him and said, Peter, you are the rock, and on this rock, I'm going to build the, I'm going to build the church. And there's this, this, this rock conversation. Then Peter now looking at these people who are following him, these people who are listening, these, this kind of next generation of, of Jesus followers. He's saying, let's talk about the rock. Right? Let's talk about what, what this actually looks like. And, and instead of Peter clinging to the, the identity that, that, that Jesus gave him, saying, you, you are the rock, he's, he's now saying, look, there's a rock that's better than me. Right? There's the rock of Jesus Christ. That, that, that it is, he's the living stone. And so he doesn't cling to, the, to his, own, his own identity or the own statement that Jesus made, but, but he says Jesus is the rock. And then he says to, to those that were listening to him, he says, and you are living stones, right? Which, which means that there's this, this whole process that, that God is doing that's, that's transforming them, that's, that's moving them forward. He says, for in scripture, it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the, he says this, the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is uh, what they were destined for. Peter says, you have this stone, right? You have this stone, and it's Jesus. But the question is, what is it you're going to do with it? Are you going to stumble over it as, as you kind of like go about what you're trying to accomplish and all the, the experiences that you're chasing after and the expectations that you're trying to fulfill and, and all this? Are you going to, going to go and just kind of run back and forth and stumble over this cornerstone? Or are you going to look at it and say, on this, on this, I'm going to build my life. On this, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and say, this is the thing that is central in my life and I'm going to build on it instead of tripping over it. Are we going to stumble over it while we run from one experience to the next? Are we going to take it and we say, look, this is Jesus now present in my life, this, this stone that has been given to me to, to, to build something that's, that's going to last? Are we going to take it and in some ways look and say, I'm going to just put this in storage for some future use that, that I may want to use this at some point, but for right now, I'm just going to be comfortable knowing that, I, that I've taken possession of it in some sort of way? Or... Or are we going to look at our lives and look at maybe what we've already tried to build or what we've been building, and we say, I'm going to take this stone, this, this Jesus stone, this unique and, 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 and formed cornerstone that, that, that we're supposed to build everything else around and on, and we take that and we say, this is my, the, the rest of my life, and I'm going to try and just fit that into some other place, not as a cornerstone, not as a foundation, not as anything central, but, but just kind of like on the pile of everything else that we've chosen to, to put into our lives. And Peter says, this is not going to work, right? To, to simply stumble over it, to, to uh, maybe just like save it for some future use or, or put it into your life along with everything else as like an equal participant in, in everything else that you have present in your life. Peter says, this is the cornerstone, right? The cornerstone will be the cornerstone, whether or not we want it to be the cornerstone or not, that, that we will stumble, right? That, that, that the, the rest of what we try and build will not work if, if we're not placing the cornerstone in the proper place in our lives, 
the question for us as we as we wrestle with this is, um, are we going to let the cornerstone be the cornerstone? Because the cornerstone will be the cornerstone. Will it take uh, will it take the the cornerstone reducing the rest of our lives to to rubble to be able to to be in the center point? Are we going to allow it? Are we going to willingly allow it to be the cornerstone instead of allowing it to or requiring it to reduce what we've built to rubble? And then Peter looks and he's talking and it's some hard words that he's talking about. He's talking about stumbling and, and all these kinds of things. But then he looks at his audience. I mean, I know he's, he's writing a letter, but I, I picture him looking at those that he's writing to, this church, these people that he loves, these people that he's been walking with. And he looks at them and uh, maybe even in his imagination as he's writing on the, uh, on the paper there. But, but he says that, he says, but you, right? Verse nine of First uh, Peter chapter two, he says, but you. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And you talk about identity, right? You talk about the descriptions that, that we maybe take on for ourselves. And, and we look at the beginning of this passage and Peter saying, look, lay down the malice and, the, and all those kinds of things that, that, that aren't compatible with the life that God has called you to. And then he gives this description in verse nine as he as he looks and and looks upon the people that that God has called to to walk with him that that God is drawing to himself and and inviting Peter to lead and he says but you, right you're something special right but you are this this chosen people a royal priesthood a holy nation God's special possession that that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. This, by the way, is that deeper picture. When you talk about what it is that we're fighting for, when you talk about what it is that, that we're striving for, what it is that we want more than anything, it's, it's this definition, this picture of life that, that, that makes sense with Christ as the cornerstone and our lives kind of bearing fruit with, with that at the center. This is that deeper picture. This is, this is what we're, what we're going to fight for, right? To, to say, if this, is the, if this is the picture, if this is who we are, then fight for it, then, then live it out. He says, because God did this, that he made you this chosen people, that, that he's, you're a royal priest or a holy nation, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. That there is this connection between identity and purpose. When, when our identity, when we properly understand who we are, then, then what we're called to begins to flow out of that naturally. That you are so that says, verse 10, once you were not a people, but, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but, but now, you have, now you have received mercy. For, for the people that Peter's writing to, for us as we now in 2020 reflect on, on this passage, we, we spend so much of our lives looking for our tribe, looking for our people, looking for the, that group that we fit into. And Peter says, the good news is you found it, right? And it's, and it's even better than what you expected. It's even better than what Peter, if he was really honest with himself, and I think there's some, some beauty in this as Peter reflects on this, as he's writing to these, these Gentile believers, he's, he's writing, ha- having had a journey of, of even understanding the way they approach God. Right? Peter, over the course of 15 years or so, it was years that it took for him to, to embrace that there was a mission that was bigger than just the, the, than the, the Jewish followers of Jesus. And, and then it was years later now that he's writing this letter to this church and he's looking and he says, in some ways it's this act of worship as he's saying, look, I had my mind changed because God taught me something. I, I see you differently, that it's worth clinging to. That he's saying that, that, that you are God's people, that you found a place to belong, you've been looking for it and you found it, it's better than you could have dreamed, it's, it's better than Peter now saying than, than he would have dreamed for them. 
So he's watching them as a people now endure persecution. He's watching them take hits for, for their following of Jesus. And he's just sitting back saying, I can't even believe it. Right? This is such a beautiful thing. You guys have to understand that, that this is a significant reality, that, that who you are in Jesus is, is shaping the way you're living this thing out. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. And so we talked at the beginning of this message about, about the, the call or at least the invitation that's been given to us to, to go deeper. And we said it's, it's not an antidote, right? It's not this, this like you take the, the, the antidote and it cures everything that, that ails us, that, that deeper or going deeper isn't, um, it isn't automatic. It's uh, not something that, that just happens because we want it to happen or just happens because we made one choice, then everything else flows from that. It's, it's not instantaneous in the sense that, that we make a decision and then everything changes immediately, but it's a journey. It's a journey with steps. And so we take these four truths, these, the reality that, that this is what deeper is or, and isn't, and we take those and we, we lay those next to the steps that Peter's describing. And we look and we say, so what do we do about it? Right? What is it that God's inviting us to? What is it he's calling us to as, as we navigate a season of uncertainty, as we navigate as a, as a people, a, a season of life that, that isn't anything like what we thought it was going to look like? But we're also talking about the bullseye. We're talking about the best outcome ever, not just the best circumstances ever. And so we look and we find these two great truths that, that God grows us deeper through steps on the journey, right? That's one step after another after another. The beauty of this passage is, I think, part, partially in the fact that Peter says, so you're infants, right? That, that he says it, it's okay to be newborns. It's okay to, to be young in your faith. It's okay to be starting at kind of like a very, very basic level. That's, that's natural. It's, it's part of the journey. It's part of the life cycle of, 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 uh, of, a, of a person. He says, and so you look and it's okay. God's not afraid of our infancy. He's not afraid of the unfinished parts of our building. He's not afraid of, of our need even to be known or for identity to be found in him. But God meets us in those moments. God meets us in our needs for, 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 the, for identity. He meets us in our, in our still incomplete building. He, he meets us in our, in our infancy and, and helps us move forward. He invites us deeper and we simply have to accept that invitation but the problem is there's a, there's a danger that comes with that. There's a danger that comes with the journey in the, in the sense that, that we look and, and, and we, we recognize that we're being invited and then we start immediately, we get a picture of where we think God's taking us. We get a picture of like what, what, what Peter is describing of what, the, of what life could look like and we say, okay, I've got the picture. Now I'm just going to figure out a way for myself to get there. And we miss the point that that it's, this is Jesus at work in our lives. This is God looking at our lives and, 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 and helping us through what, we, through what we bring into our lives, through what we're building on, through what it is that we're building to, to actually become who it is that he's called us to be. That it's not just us kind of like getting a picture and we're, we're so guilty of this as, as just kind of like a product of our culture where it's like, okay, I know what I need to do or at least I know what the bullseye is and now I'm just gonna run, take it, take it on and, and make it kind of my own, my own experience or my own fight that I'm gonna do this by myself. Or we, we pretend maybe we've got, we've got the picture and we, and we don't submit to the picture, but we just pretend like we've already figured it out, right? That we don't think we've got that much further to go. So God grows us deeper through steps in the journey. He grows us deeper for a purpose, that, that what God does in us is for a purpose, that it's, that it's not just an exercise that, that it's like, well, we've, we've become a, a Christian or I'm starting to follow Jesus and, well, we've got to find something to, to kind of like make a hobby out of it. It's actually a purpose. It's so that God can shine through our lives, that God can work in us so that he can work through us. The danger in this is that we have a tendency, 
We have a tendency to make everything about us. So we say, well, my salvation, about my, my, my discipleship journey, the, the progress that I'm making, the spiritual steps that I'm taking forward are, are about me. And we forget that, that what, what Jesus is saying through, through Peter is that, um, that, we're, that we're called forward for a purpose. And it's not just about us, but it's about the world around us as well. So the questions that we have as we, as we wrestle with this truth, as we wrestle with the, the tendencies that we have, as we wrestle with this picture that, that has been painted for us is really, a, it's, it's a question of diet, right? It's a question of what is it that I'm bringing into my life? We're in a moment, right? we're in a moment where uh, we're all kind of on pause, where we're, we're not doing all the things that, we're, that we would normally be doing, that we have this quiet time where we can say, uh, well, maybe for some of us, it's not as quiet. We've got kids at home trying to get classes done and all those kinds of things. But, but we have an opportunity to, uh, in this kind of like unusual set of circumstances, to pause and say, what am I actually allowing to influence me? What am I actually bringing into my life? What are the inputs that are, that are in my life? Am I, am I feeding on the right things or am I just kind of taking whatever the world throws at me? So we can wrestle with the question of what is it that I'm bringing into my life? What, what are you bringing into your life? We, we ask the question about building is, 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 is what, are, what, am I, what am I building my life on and what am I building my life with, right? What are you building on and with? It's a question of foundation and it's a question of the building materials and, and it's a question of, of what's actually being built. I say, well, what am I, what am I allowing to be the foundation of my life? What is it that, that maybe it's, it's, it's the things that I'm using to be the building blocks of the life that I'm trying to build for myself? What is it that I'm trying to accomplish? What am I building on and what am I building with? And then the third question is this, is, is, is so what am I becoming, right? If we're talking about what we're bringing into our lives, we're talking about what we're building on and building with, it, it's, it's the next step, the next natural question is then, then what is it that I'm becoming, right? Every day we're becoming something. What am I becoming? God wants to give us a sense of our unique identity. He wants to give us a sense of our identity because once we understand our identity in Him, then we can start to understand what our purpose is as well. Right to to understand that that God is doing something that God is teaching us that that God is inviting us to to take steps so that first of all that that we can find our true identity and so that we can find our true purpose. Diet. I wrote in my notes. I said this that that um, that diet and what we build with God are are what's going to get us there and what's going to keep us there. Right. That that the steps matter. That that the foundation matters because we're becoming something. So in this season. In this season, may we be a people who, who get a picture from God about what life is supposed to look like. We get a picture where we say, this is the thing that, that God is calling me to. This is what God is wanting my life to, to look like. And we, we get that picture and then we say, I'm willing to fight for it, right? Step by step by step. I'm going to fight even in unpleasant circumstances, even in unexpected kinds of circumstances that, that I want to become what it is that, that God wants me to become that we find our identity not in, not in giving up, but we find our identity in, in what we're becoming, this, this picture that God says, this is who you are. Right? And so as we close, to, to say we're going to let God speak into our lives, and then we're going to fight for that picture that he paints. And so I'm going to close with, with uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, nine, verses 9 and 10, to, to remind us of the call, to remind us of the picture. He says, but you, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. May we get that picture and may we fight.